From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out again this week, so it's another pet day. We're going to answer your pet questions this morning. Cat owners, dog owners, uh, maybe you have both. We'll also talk about exotic pets, rabbits, snakes, and ferrets. Our guest is Deborah Boswell from the Mississippi Animal Rescue League. Join the conversation this morning with your phone call, one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 7464 or you can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield out again this week, so it's time for another pet day. We're going to answer your pet questions this morning. Are you a cat owner, a dog owner, or maybe you have both at home? Also, we'll take questions about uh, exotic pets, the unusual ones like rabbits, snakes, and ferrets. Later in the show, we hope to talk to Deborah Boswell from the Mississippi Animal Rescue League. You can join the conversation this morning with questions and comments. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. And we always like to remind you that there are two chances to hear Creature Comforts Thursday mornings at 9, a repeat broadcast Saturday morning at 6. So good morning, Dr. Major. Hope that you're doing well. Good morning. Doing fine. Thank you. Right off the bat, you know, we talk about dogs and cats, and I think there are a number of people that, that have both at home. And, you know, I guess the popular thing is that, that they don't get along very well. But I would think, uh, especially, I guess, if, if you have them sort of as, as from puppy and, and kittens, uh, or even when they kind of are forced to uh, live together later in life, uh, usually they, they manage to work out some sort of agreement, I guess. Absolutely. And in most cases, they get along perfectly fine. There may be some instances where... For example, if somebody has several cats, they may not all get get along mm-hmm. very well. So, but in general, uh, dogs and cats can uh, coexist, if you will, and a lot of times they'll make out like they're not real happy with each other. But then you'll find them laying on top of each other, <laughs> taking a nap. So, I, you know, the listeners may have some comments about that, but really, uh, we see some dogs, for example, that uh, will literally nurse baby kittens and uh mother them uh while on the other hand some just kind of ignore each other uh, and we see that as well so if it is a, a situation where maybe you're introducing a cat or a dog uh, later in the household um maybe some general tips do you kind of need to watch them when they first to get there just to make sure things don't get too uh, out of control well this is true with both uh introducing a puppy to a uh, or a dog to a household of dogs, or vice versa with cats going into a cat situation. A lot of times it upsets the balance and uh, can can cause some, uh, what shall I say, stress. Uh, in most cases, though, uh, observation is good. You need to be able to uh, not just throw the cat in with a bunch of dogs, et cetera, or with a bunch of cats without some forethought and uh, and being able to 
at least monitor uh, would be a good idea. Uh, this I did not hear about, but uh, apparently Vice President-elect Mike Pence has some pets that will be going to Washington, D.C. with him. Uh, he has two cats, but also a pet bunny, Marlon Bundo. So uh, we talked about some unusual <laughs> pets, and I guess, uh, do, do you see a lot of rabbits at the clinic? We see a fair number of rabbits. Uh, most people that have rabbits are rabbit people, if you will understand that. They they love their rabbits. Uh, we have one person I can think of that has several. Uh, and they coexist with uh, other small exotic pets like guinea pigs, that sort of thing. Uh, rabbits, uh, in some cases, have become service animals uh, from the standpoint of stress. Uh, nothing wrong with having a bunny to to pet and love on. And uh, there is actually a American or National House Bunny Association you could go online and get some information about that. They have some good tips about having uh, bunnies or rabbits in the house. So it's good to see uh, Vice President Pence with uh, a variety of animals there. That's true. I'm, I'm, I'm sure the rabbit lovers are, are all excited about having uh, that as uh, in, in Washington, because uh, I think this is the first time I remember um, a president or vice president having uh, some, somewhat of an unusual pet like that. Right. Uh, it is a pet day on Creature Comforts, and we've got some open phone lines. So if you have a question about your pet, give us a call today at one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to animals at mpbonline dot org. And later in the show, we hope to talk to Deborah Boswell from the Mississippi Animal Rescue League to learn about uh, the mission of the Rescue League and the work that they do. Um, so what about, uh, you know, we've talked about some things to do with, with well, I, I say cold weather, and last week it was appropriate, and now we're into the mid-70s. So I think eventually winter will set in. We've talked about some of the things to uh, to do to kind of um, keep your pets healthy and safe, but are there some seasonal things that people would come to you about uh, this time of year with their pets? Certainly. Uh, one of the things that we see uh, in a lot of cases is where we have uh, – heat on, whether it's electric heat or gas heat, and uh, it tends to dry out the air. We see a fair number of increased uh, skin issues uh, from both dogs and cats, primarily with the dogs. But yes, there are seasonal problems. It seems to, we seem to see more uh, respiratory problems uh, in the winter months. And uh, then there are, you know, some various, various problems you might see, but I, I think that probably most people here in the South realize that we have some cold weather, but we have very little long-term cold weather. And uh, the main things with the outside dogs, of course, are dogs that are out during the day, maybe in, in at night. Make sure they have shelter from uh, wind, shelter from rain, and from the cold weather. That's always important. And one thing that we mention quite frequently on the show is, you know, the idea of when to take your, your pet into the vet. Uh, and I think the the rule of thumb there is to, you know, you know your pet, keep an eye on it, you know its behaviors. And so possibly if it's scratching, uh, it's whether it becomes somewhat unusual or more frequent or something would be the time that you uh, would go about thinking about uh, bringing it in for a checkup or to see what might be the problem. Yeah, skin issues are, are very common. It's a large portion of the uh, uh, pet visits that we see. A lot of it has to do with uh, improper diet, maybe. Uh, flea control is very important, even now. 
we see some dogs with fleas. So we haven't had enough cold weather to really make a big difference with that, uh, especially from the standpoint of uh, fleas that are outside. The uh, things that you think about with both dogs and cats would be when they start losing hair. If they lose uh, hair uh, in spots or across the body, certainly it's time to get get that animal in to see the vet. The uh, the other things that you see would be more related to, uh, as I said, diet. And there are so many diets out now. A lot of times we have to do trial and error uh, to get a good diet that agrees with the animal. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's a pet day. We're looking for pet questions at one eight seven seven mpb ring The phone number is one 672 7464 We do have a caller on the line. So we head off to Mobile and say good morning to Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Good morning. I was calling in about introducing pets, new animals into a household. I have five dogs, three cats, and I've had to introduce everybody to everybody. <laughs> right. um, recently, I had a friend who took in a found pit bull, and she already had two cats. The cats and the pit bull didn't meet for about four days in the house, but finally the cats got ready to come out, and the dog grabbed the cat, and she screamed, drop it, and the dog dropped it, and I praised her for being a good owner and teaching her the dog. But one of the things that I suggested to her was, because this was a young pit bull, full-grown, but still boisterous, to go get a towel, one towel for each cat, and just really pet the cat with the towel. Get all of the cat's nut smell on the towel. Take the towel to the dog. Give the towel to the dog and let the towel be explored. And any time the dog got a little bit boisterous or did anything that she would not want done to the cat, she told the dog no and disciplined it and then let it have the towel back. So by the time the dog finally actually met the cat face-to-face again, he knew the rules, and they just kind of acclimated gently. It's good good advice, and uh, that's an old-fashioned remedy, I guess, if you will. Uh, I know that uh, back in the farm days, uh, when we had a, for example, a cow that had a calf and she had no milk or very little milk, a lot of times, if you were going to put that calf on another uh, another cow to save it, uh, you would actually take a a uh, burlap sack and put it on that cow's calf and then put it on the other, and the smell and the scent would allow that cow to accept it. So same principle, uh, the odor, uh, smell of those cats. I'd be very careful. Every dog is different, uh, and sounds like this is a young pit bull uh, some animals do have a prey tendencies. In other words, they, they think that uh, anything smaller than them is fair game and prey, so you have to be very careful and watch that. And it sounds like that was good advice, and hopefully everything is fine with that household. Thanks for the call, Michelle. Good call. Um, that Because uh, I, I think we don't maybe realize that the, the sense of smell, I guess, in both dogs and cats is, is a lot more uh, acute than, than humans are, and that's one of the things they, they really go by to kind of identify uh, what's in their surroundings. Absolutely. And uh, it's one of those things that was a, uh, you know, back in back in the day when I was we had cattle and everything. That's one of the things that we would have to do occasionally. But the smell, actually, the the cow started to accept it. And once the calf started uh, taking that cow's milk, the smell was pretty much the same as the other calves. So it's it's smell is a big factor. Okay. 
we got to take a break. When we get back, we'll continue taking your pet questions. Got a couple on the line that we'll get to when we get back, but we do have some open phone lines. So uh, give us a call today at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 7464 You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more of Creature Comforts after this short break. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield out again this week. Should be back with us next week. So it's another pet day. We're looking for questions about your pet. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Before the break, we had a caller. Uh, Michelle gave us some good advice about uh, introducing uh, cats and dogs uh, or a cat or a dog into the household, a new pet, uh, and uh, talked about the idea of, of scent and that sort of thing. We talked about that, but also I think it's a good idea if you're going to do that. Uh, plan ahead, kind of uh, plan out your strategy uh, ahead of time and know that it's going to be a little bit of time uh, while the two uh, new uh, roommates as it were, get used to each other. So uh, thanks for that call. We've got some other calls on the line now, so let's return to the phones again, and off to Memphis we go. Wilma has called in today. Good morning, Wilma. Good morning. I have got a female cardinal with a white head. The crest is red. She stays in the shrubs around the feeder but won't come to the feeder. She seems to be afraid of the other cardinals or the other birds. And if one comes to the shrub she's in, she falls off. I got my binoculars out, and it definitely looks like feathers on her head. I am really puzzled. Okay. And she, how many, we've we've seen very few cardinals this year. I'm really pleased that you're seeing cardinals. Oh, I've cardinals. got a bunch. I've got yeah. seven on a regular basis. Oh, great, basis. great. There, we've talked about this before, about the ability or genetically, you can have some uh, animals, whether they're mammals or birds, they can have some unusual coloring, and this seems to be part of what's going on with her. Uh, okay. I don't... I've seen them with the black head where I thought they were molting right. and just had lost their head feathers, right. but right. this definitely looks like it's feathers. But there, and you say it's white? Uh, yes, very okay. white. Right. So I'd say there's definitely uh, probably normal for her, but she does seem, as you said, she seems to be a little timid or afraid of of the other cardinals. But yeah. uh, okay. but she so is you she. Think it's just a malutation or whatever you call it. Right. Huh? Yes. Okay. Well, thanks a bunch. All Thank right. you. Bye bye. Have a good day. Thanks, Bye-bye. Wilma, for your call. Let's move next to uh, Mobile. Susan has called in today. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. Um, I have a female dachshund that's about ten years old. 
and she has an enlarged heart, and she's been on a regimen of vet, vet medin and a fluid pill. I guess it's formicide. I'm not sure, but of the name. Um, and he has added a third pill called, I think it's thalophilin, and she's only supposed to take a third of the pill uh, twice a day. And I understand that that's a time-released pill, and you shouldn't half it, that that, that's, that you shouldn't do that because you don't know how much she's getting. And I was just trying to find out if, you know, what I should do about that. This is one of those things that's very difficult. We've had problems getting both, uh, and I'm not even sure that we can get aminophilin anymore, which is similar to theophylline. Uh, it's recommended, uh, I believe, if I'm correct in this, to not, if you have to use the time release, it can be an issue, uh, especially if you give the pill and the dog crushes it. Uh, see if uh, a compounding pharmacy could make some uh, in a liquid form, and that might be a help for for her. How's she doing on the medication? Uh, I think uh, might have had that potted down for it, but uh, okay. Well, what she described was vet medin, which is uh, excellent from the standpoint of uh, congestive heart failure or enlarged heart. She's probably on furosemide or Lasix. Yeah, yes, that's it. That's it. And then theophylline is a bronchial in general uses a bronchial dilator uh-huh. to help give more uh, breathable space, if you will, so she can breathe better. I understand. Mm-hmm. I would suggest uh, maybe getting that made up into a uh, solution. Okay. They I, can, I didn't, didn't know you could do that. They can, they can flavor that with uh, mm-hmm. beef or chicken or whatever so wow. it's not okay. not real okay. bad. Right. And I, that might be a be a help for you with that. Okay. That's, that's a great help. Okay. I, I, I've never heard of that. We'll talk to your vet about it, but there should be a compounding pharmacy in your area. Uh-huh. Or, and there are others uh, that we we use that are out of the state, but it's all, it's really difficult a lot of times to get some drugs. So let's try that and see. Okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate your help. That's great information. Thank right. you. Thanks Thank Susan you. for your call. Uh, let's move on next. We've got uh, Joe in Kemper County. Good morning, Joe. Hey, how you doing? When I was a lad, I had a, a hound dog and our crib and our, was about a hundred yards from our house. And our cat had kittens up on top of the corn in the crib <clears throat> About a week later, my hound dog had puppies up under the house. And so a day or two later, I went out to check on the kittens, and one of the little pup hound puppies was up there in the loft <laughs> in the corn with the kittens. So I said to my father, let's let let's see if that cat can raise that puppy. And Dad said, no, it wouldn't be fair to the other kittens. It'd probably get all the milk. Can't do that. Well, I took the puppy back up to the house and put it back with the other puppies and the mother. And a day or two later, check the kittens, and there was that hound puppy in there. <laughs> and I had to take that puppy at least three times away from that cat uh, before she quit carrying it from the house down to her where her puppy, where her kittens were. And so I thought it'd be interesting to the cat raise the puppy, but Dad thought it wouldn't be fair to the other kittens. So. Well, especially with the size of size of the puppy being a hound, probably he was probably just just really right, but. Uh, it is not unusual to see, though, uh, a cat do that, and she she was determined uh, to get that puppy. Was it the same puppy each time? I, I couldn't tell. That okay. All okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she had a fixation on one particular puppy, but anyway, that's an interesting story, and we thank you. 
Thanks for the call, Joe. Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's a busy day on the phone, but we've got some open phone lines now. If you'd like to call in with your pet question at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Linda's in Pearl, and she's on the line. And up next, good morning, Linda. Go ahead. Well, I have this chihuahua. He didn't used to do this, but now he's running through the house, barking at everything, and even when there's nothing to bark at. And he's just, I don't know what's the matter with him. He just turned nine, but he's been doing this for about, I don't know, three or four months, and he'll disturb the other dog and I don't think it's because the dogs next door bark all the time, because they do bark all the time. But <laughs> uh, I don't know what's wrong with them. I mean, there's been some changes in the last year and a half. Um, there was a dog that was living in our house, and she jumped the fence and ran away. And she and her brother haven't been the same since. But the chihuahua is worse than the other dog. That's a little unusual. Sometimes we see when um, an older dog, older than that, uh I can speak from experience. J.W., my 17-year-old chihuahua, he might have some spells of barking, but usually it's because he wants some treats. Uh, I'm not sure about what's going on with this dog, though. It's kind of strange. He may be hearing something that you can't hear yourself. Uh, does he do it a lot during the day or just occasionally? Terrible. Is it all? I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm say, you know, and, and if I get on the phone... I use the speakerphone. <laughs> now, I don't know why. He's just laying here not saying anything. But usually when I talk to somebody, he starts barking at the phone. He, sound, he sounds like my parrot at the clinic. Uh, if he hears you on the phone or if you're talking to somebody and he can hear you, he starts squawking or giving some problems. I don't know how to explain that. Uh, it's uh, a little bit unusual. But uh, just uh, I guess when you're on the phone, you need to put him in another room or something but that is that is unusual that he started doing that all right linda if you come up with a cure or a solution let me know uh i, I will if i can figure out i was using one of those little uh pet zoom bark things right but it doesn't work as much on him as it does the big dog <laughs> okay and it doesn't seem to work at all on the two dogs next door <laughs> okay. I sure wish it would because I mean it. They're driving me crazy. <laughs> and he may be picking up from them. I don't know. Anyway, best of luck to you, and let us know Thank if you, you let us know if you come up with a solution. All Thank, right. And I used to use you as my vet when I lived yes. in Clinton. That's been a while, yes. But anyway, seventies. Yeah, Good talking to Thank you. Thank you. You were a really good vet. All right. Thank, Thank you very much. Thanks, Linda, for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Again, it's a pet day. We've got some open phone lines. Give us a call with your pet question at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We're off to the Gulf Coast. Jim has called in today. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. What's your question? Well, I've got two dogs that I'm trying to rescue from a shelter, and it turns out that they're about 18 months old. One of them is a pit bull mix, and one of them is a lab mix, but they spent their entire life in a shelter in a cage. And they were fine when I found them at the shelter. I brought them home and had a little trouble getting them out of the truck. We put them in my fence backyard, and then for, oh, Two or three weeks, I wasn't able to get within 30 feet of them. Okay. 
Uh, Jim, we, we lost you, Jim. I just had a question. I was going to ask the man. Okay. Good. I'm I'm sorry. Um, all right. Yeah, Jim, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. Uh, um, the issue then. All right. My bad, Jim. Sorry. If you would give us a call back. In the meantime, though, let's go to Mickey in Mobile. Good morning, Mickey. Hey, good morning. Um, I'm wondering if the dog-to-dog, the smell trick, the thing with, uh, I've told him about this before, Labrador, who has been thinking that his territory extends into my private property and has been very threatening to my uh, JW-like 8- to 10-pound half chihuahua. and uh, because this could be a very, obviously a very serious matter. It's like a, I thought about it, it's like an, a, a having somebody that's twice the size of an NFL belt line, <laughs> NFL linebacker jumping on your, you know, junior high school kid, right? <laughs> um, uh, but will the smell trick, I, I, I want to do everything that I can to try to work this out peacefully with my neighbors. I'm not a fan of electronic collars, but if that's a necessity, I don't want my dog killed or injured simply because their dog thinks that it's his territory. Um, there's a lot of woods involved, wetlands area involved. Um, will, uh, Dr. Troy, what can you say about, you know, if some of my dog's smell was introduced into his dog's um, uh area would that exacerbate or would that help what do you think you know, this this is an adult lab right how old uh, he's not, he's an adult but he's a young adult right. i think this dog is probably not going to be influenced by that smell in fact he probably will want to urinate on it this sort of thing you know wherever it might be marking his t- can do now this dog lives he he has uh, where he lives is underneath a, a small uh, aluminum tool shed that mm-hmm. borders both properties That's and it. he gets in and out apparently uh from under the floor right well i'm just trying to think of things that might help and of course working with the uh, owner is it a fence yard it was, but apparently they have done something to the fence. Okay, okay. Okay, certainly um, that might might help to get the fence fixed. But, you know, judicious use of an electronic collar can help. And I, I agree with you. I'd rather not use it unless there was a reason. But you would have to be in control of the uh, of the control for it to work. And uh, they would have to agree to put that collar on on the dog. So there might be some issues there. But, yes, that can uh, deter. Uh, and I don't know of anything else that you can do short of making sure that that fence can be fixed. So I wish I had better advice for you. Yeah, I think, uh, I think maybe uh, trying to talk to the owner might be the first, the best bet and the first step uh, to see if you can work something out that's agreeable for everybody. Hey, we need to take another quick break. When we get back, we've got some calls lined up, more pet questions coming. Still a chance for you to call in with your pet question at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 We'll be back with more after this.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. It's an all-pet day today. We're taking your pet questions. And uh, Deborah Boswell from the Mississippi Animal Rescue League has joined us in studio. We'll talk to her in just a few moments. We do have a couple of phone calls to work through, beginning with Jim. Jim, thank you for calling back. Sorry we dropped your call. If you would, remind us what you called about. I've got uh, about a four-month-old. Little cur puppy, and she's doing great. But she's got she's long, lanky, and main thing is she jumps up on everybody, trying to be friendly. You know, she just and it, she scratches people and tears your clothes and stuff. What can I do to keep her from jumping up like that? Okay, first of all, you know, she gets in the habit of doing that, and some people actually like for a dog to jump up and hug them, which is not a I, good thing. I do too, but she's you know, right, but just me and grandkids, right. One thing you can do, and I, this sounds cruel in a way, but it works in, in most cases. You grab her front feet while she's doing that and step on her back toes. You don't break the toes, but you step on them and say no. Uh, that works in a lot of cases. You may have tried that. Uh, but uh, if you understand what I'm saying, when she jumps up like that, grab her front legs and step on those toes enough to where she feels it and use just the word no. Uh, I think okay. she'll probably pick up on that. How old is she? Four months. She's about four months old. Right. She's she, like a grown red bone hound. I I know, and she's got so much energy. I wish I probably Ooh. had some of hers. But uh, <laughs> Man, she's got some energy. I would say though that uh, that might be the first step in trying to do that. Okay. Yes, the, sir. The, I appreciate that. That sounds like something I can try. One other thing: uh, is she leash broken? Was she going to leash? Uh, not really. No. I've often found that dogs that are having some problems, if you can put them on a leash, teach them to heal, teach them teach them to sit, and reward them when they sit and stay. Uh, a lot of times you get that started training, you can easily move into other things. So try that as well, okay? Yes, sir. All right, uh, Jim. Good, good luck to you. Thanks for your call. Uh, actually, we had two Jims called. I think the Jim that we lost on the line is calling back now. Jim, are you the caller that we lost earlier? Yes. All right, sorry about that. Well, again, remind us of what you were going to call about. Well, I've got two shelter dogs that have spent, they're about 18 months old, and they spent their whole lives in a shelter. And I, they seemed fine at the shelter. I brought them home, had a little trouble getting them out of a truck. We put them in a fence backyard, and for about two or three weeks, you couldn't get your hands on them, couldn't get within about 30 feet of them. Then when it got cold, I put them in a, I managed to get them into a smaller pen that attaches to a covered porch where they could be out of the wind and the rain and the cold. And when they're there, I can get my hands on them. But then they needed exercise, so I let them back out in the yard and they went just back the way they used to be. You can't get within 30 feet of them again. Okay. Okay. Um, this is going to take some time and some work, and, of course, they may always have some issues. I think keep them in a closer pen as much as possible. Uh, you know, spend time with them. Teach them to walk on a leash if you can. I think that's important, just like the previous caller we talked about. 
teaching to, to heal, uh, to sit, reward them when they do good things. And if they like treats, you can treat your dog to do most anything. But I think the size of the yard has kind of got them spooked in a way, and they're not sure what to expect. So I think that smaller pen for a while would actually be better if you can, and then work with them on a leash and uh, see how that does. Okay. But sounds like sounds like you're going to make it, but it's just a matter of time, too, because these, these dogs have got to be socialized. And that's the problem. They may have been socialized in a small area, but when they're out like that, they feel like they're, you know, they don't know what to do. So good luck to you. The only trouble I've had with them in the smaller pen is the the pen is maybe, oh, 30 by 15. Yes. And I I don't think they're getting enough exercise. They're getting lethargic. Well, I think Um, given that size, it's pretty good size, though. And if you can let them out maybe a little bit before you feed them, let them run, maybe after a little bit, but then try to get them back in the pen. At least try that for a couple of weeks and see how that works. All right, Jim, okay. thanks for calling back. Okay. Glad we got that uh, straightened out. As I mentioned, uh, Deborah Boswell from the Mississippi Animal Rescue League is joining us. And, Deborah, uh, any tips or ideas for folks who might adopt a dog or a cat uh, from a shelter to kind of help them uh, get used to their new surroundings? Well, sure. You need to, to be prepared before when you make that decision to adopt, be sure you're going to have the time to spend with that animal. Um, it's going to be an adjustment for that animal. If they're an older animal, they're going to need a little bit more time and understanding, especially if they've come from a, a home where they they were the center of attention. Um, and you have to understand, they've lost their home, they've lost their person, now they've been to a shelter, now they're in another home. So you kind of have to put yourself in their place and kind of what they're going through and the stress levels they may be going through. Puppies and kittens are a lot easier than adult animals um, to make that transformation. They're just, they're kind of like little baby people as long as they're dry <laughs> and have a full belly and something to play with, they're happy. So um, just be prepared for that. And a lot of these, these animals coming through shelters, um, we don't have a background on, so we don't know what they've been through. Um, it can be pretty obvious to our staff when some of them have been physically abused when we go to handle them. Um, you can tell that. And so you got to have a lot of patience, a lot of reward. And the more one-on-one time you spend with your pet, the more you'll enjoy your pet. They want, you know, they want to be with us. They, they want to be close to their people. And um, they've got, you're going to have to gain their trust on a lot of these animals, especially if they've been in a long-term um, shelter situation. Um, like like that gentleman's too. So they, you know, they went in a shelter situation. We we're busy taking care of the animals every day. So at the Mississippi Animal Rescue League, um, uh, we have a lot of volunteers, which is very helpful to come and walk and and whatnot. But that's kind of a brief, fifteen minute walk, and then the next day it's a different volunteer that walks that dog. So it's um it's just going to be about time and trust. But as you said, you know, these are their their companion animals. They like the the companionship of humans. And so if you put in that work and that effort, it really is going to be rewarded in the long term. It is. And what they want to do most of all is please their their person. And um, I I will say that that it will be easier if the animal's inside with you a a lot, maybe outside during the day, inside with the family at night. It seems to be um, a lot easier the more one-on-one time that you can spend with them. All right, very good. We'll talk more with Deborah throughout the hour, and we'll get some more phone calls to get to. Uh, we're going to go to Jackson. Beverly has called in about a cat question. Go ahead, Beverly. Yes, I was calling in reference to uh, a cat. I've had her since she was a kitten, and twofold. Number one, she likes to jump on you and, like, climb up your body <laughs> with or without clothes. 
Um, secondly, uh, she has a thing where my hands, I can close a door or do anything, and she'll pounce just to jump to my hands or to grab my hands. But she doesn't really want to be petted. You, you try to hold her, and you, she'll let you rub her for a few minutes, and then she'll turn around and bite you. So I'm not really sure what I'm doing with her or wrong. We were always dog people before. This is our first cat. So not really sure what to do with the cat. What, what is the history on this cat? She, she, we got her as a kitten, just a random litter or something that someone was giving away. So we've had her since she was a kitten. And she's probably about nine months old now. How how old was she then when you got her? Uh, she was like eight weeks. Okay. We see some issues sometimes when cats are by themselves, uh, by that not having being with their siblings. Uh, it seems that the kittens that are uh, separated too early, a lot of times they will bite. They will do some abnormal behavior because they haven't been socialized with other cats to a certain extent. And I realize you only have this one cat. Uh, one of the things I would recommend, and it may be uh, a little difficult to do, but I would take a uh, squirt bottle with uh-huh. water okay. and uh, just put it on full blast in her face when she yeah. does this. Okay. And the word no may or may not translate into cat language, <laughs> but, but still she needs to learn that this is not acceptable behavior. Right, uh, and she stopped. She would do. My husband, he had, he would wear jeans, and as a kitten, he'd let her climb up. And I'm like, no, that's not good. I can't have that. She'll grab my toes. She'll grab whatever. So let's blame your husband for training, training <laughs> yeah. her to do that. Uh, but it's not good I, if you're standing, coming out of the shower, and the cat jumps on your legs. That's not a good thing. She doesn't know any better. You know that kind of thing. Well, keep her little claws trimmed down too. That'll help you some. But uh, yeah, do do try that and see. It works in a lot of cases, okay? The spray. Okay, what about the rubbing part? She doesn't, it, does that mean she's not socialized or she's not? I mean, she's quiet and she seems to be okay otherwise. Well, some cats don't. Like you're talking about she, she doesn't like to be petted, right? Right, right. I would be very careful doing that because we don't want to train her to bite, and some of the cats will bite if they get annoyed. Usually in cats, if you rub the uh, neck and shoulders, a lot of cats are very sensitive if you rub them on their uh, from the mid back on back toward the tail, and they get aggravated with that. So, try to be easy with that. And if she'll let you do some, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't just get carried away. Now, my cat. I've got the three legged cat at home, Miss Kitty. She is uh, the best cat in the whole world. But I rub her vigorously, <laughs> and when I say vigorously, she likes it and she starts purring as when I when I do it. I've got another cat at home, though, that you cannot do that to. You just maybe the head and neck. That's about it. After that, you'll either get bitten or the cat will leave. So just uh, kind of adapt what you're doing to suit your cat, okay? But try the water and see if that helps. All right, uh, Beverly, thanks for the call. And, again, I'm, I've got a cat, too, and I would say, as Dr. Mazur suggested, uh, start out, you know, very lightly. And, and you can – I think the cat's going to let you know before biting or running off by their behavior, the the way they might start the ears go back or something. So I think the more the cat is around, you'll learn about uh, his or her behavior, uh, and you can ha- that will help you decide when it's time to kind of let go and let the cat run off uh, to avoid a scratch or a bite. 
Uh, let's take one final break for this hour. When we get back, we've got uh, Deborah Boswell from the Mississippi Animal Rescue League in studio to talk with and phone calls to get to. This is Creature Comforts. It's an all-pet day on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back with more after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield out this week. She should be back with us on the show next week. Uh, so it's been an all-pet day today. We've been taking some pet questions, and also we're visiting with Deborah Boswell from the Mississippi Animal Rescue League. So, Deborah, thanks for joining us again. If you would give us an idea, what is the purpose of MARL? Well, we are a nonprofit organization. We were founded in um, 1969, so we're coming up on our 48th year. And and the purpose of Mississippi Animal Rescue League is to serve as a safe haven and a shelter for um, unwanted and stray animals in central Mississippi. We take in around 10,000 animals a year. Wow. Um, we wish to um, certainly reduce those numbers and have. We At one point in time, I think the year after Katrina, we were taking in 17,000 a year. Um, so our numbers are down. We wish to promote responsible pet ownership, certainly spaying and neutering to reduce or eliminate pet overpopulation would be the ultimate goal. We'd love to close our doors because there were no homeless animals. Um, and to... Um, to work in, in guiding people to, when they're thinking about adopting a pet, think about a shelter first. Shelters um, um, shelters have a lot of purebreds. We've got a lot of mixed breeds, but there are also a lot of purebreds that come through our shelters. Um, we had, uh, it seemed to be Chihuahua month about a month, uh, <laughs> last month at the Rescue League. It's, we had four or five, it seemed like, just about every day uh, for adoption. So you never, you know, you never know what you're going to find in, at a shelter. And the Mississippi Animal Rescue League, um, we we do a little bit of everything. We we've got a um, we've got a hospital on site where we spay and neuter our pets. We've got a low cost spay and neuter program that area veterinarians, including Dr. Major, support and participate in for those that are on a lower fixed income. Um, we um, we work with law enforcement extensively on animal cruelty cases. Actually, we work with um, thirteen different animal control agencies through police and sheriff's departments in the, in the central part of the state. We. Um, also have a livestock problem. We've got the only um, horse adoption program, um, shelter horse adoption program, and it's pretty extensive, sometimes more so than we would like because that's it's a little more expensive to care for a horse than it is a dog or a cat. So, um, And then we're interested in just promoting animal welfare in general and, and good ordinances and laws that help regulate them in our communities and protect the animals. Speaking of that, if, if I remember correctly, I thought I saw that there was a bill introduced that might be working its way through the legislature this year concerning animal cruelty? Um, yes. The last bill was, uh, the last update to our animal cruelty laws was the Dog and Cat Protection Act of 2011. And the um, and they made a lot of great improvements. There are a lot of good additions to that law. Um, however, Mississippi remains one of about five states that does not have a first offense felony law for animal cruelty. And while those of us that work in animal welfare um, don't see these egregious or horrendous acts of cruelty sometimes, um, it is um, when they when they do surface, when, when a situation arises like the cat that was scalded recently on the coast, the dog that was beat, um, 
those types of cases, those are those are a whole that needs to be addressed in a whole different matter uh, manner than those dog dogs that are tied out without shelter, um, dogs that aren't being fed enough. It's just a whole different ballgame than general animal neglect, which our first um, our first avenue for neglect cases is to try to work with that owner, educate the owner. But when you've got something like this going on, it actually it affects your community. It's a community issue, and it's, it should be a community concern because. Um, something's missing in those people and and when they can perpetrate those egregious acts of cruelty against an animal it's only a short step before they they value life so little that you that they're not going to value human life any more than they did the life of that animal so it it is a serious matter and we we hope that we can get a little bit further this year and and um and perhaps um, get that first offense felony um, law in the books uh, you mentioned volunteers, and I want to talk to you about that uh, before we end the show, but we do have a, a couple of more phone calls to get to, so let's begin again in Natchez. Francis has called in today. Good morning. Go ahead. Uh, good morning. I heard you say earlier that you had a parrot, so I need to talk. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to find people to talk about parrots, <laughs> yes. but I have a Patagonian conure that's about 19 years old. Okay. She never has any. So she goes outside. I mean, well, on the pretty day, she's outside in her cage. She's happy in her cage inside. But on her chest, uh, she has no feathers and all the way up under to under her wings. And she's been like that a, a good while. I give her vitamins. And like I said, she gets the sunshine. But um, I don't know if there's something lacking in her diet. Loves crackers. Eats salt all the crackers. I find out that's mostly what she does. But um, I you know, I just don't know what right. to do. I don't. I can't find anybody here that knows what to right. do about this. Okay, what kind of bird food do you feed her? Um, usually, what um, it's either parrot food or conure food, whatever okay. I buy at Walmart or right. at the other store. Well, let's look at buying a good quality food. You can go online and uh, possibly some of the Supreme or other uh, things. A lot of times, you get uh, food that's not. Uh, top quality, I think that would be important. The other thing would be to enrich your environment if you can. Uh, plenty of toys, uh, things that uh, she can chew on and tear up. Uh, you said she's been for quite a while. How long has it been since she's uh, picked her feathers? Probably in the last, I'd say, three or four years. Okay. At one point, she did, I, I thought I always thought it was a male, and then she, she had some eggs. Right. Well, that's a good, good indication, yes. <laughs> she had some eggs. But uh, do try to uh, introduce, if you would, uh, some other uh, habitat-type things, anything that she can be curious about. That helps in some cases. Uh, if there is a medical condition, uh, I do believe that one of the main things is a good quality food. I mentioned Zupreme because that's the one that came to mind first, but there are others that are uh, just as well. But you're going to have to spend uh, fairly, you, you will think it's expensive to get a top quality food, but I think it would be best. And this one bird is not going to eat that much. So anyway, look online for those or go to a, a good pet store and see what you can find there. But good luck to you, and I hope you can. that can help. 
All right, Francis, thanks for your call. Uh, we're visiting with Deborah Boswell from the Mississippi Animal Rescue League. Deborah, you mentioned uh, it's a nonprofit and so uh, and also mentioned volunteers. If someone wants to help out either volunteering or maybe with financial support, uh, how do they get in touch with uh, the Mississippi Animal Rescue League? Well, our phone number is 601-969-1631. That's 601-969-1631. You can call, and um, we'll be glad to send you a volunteer application. Uh, you can give gifts over the over the phone. We'd encourage you to visit our website msarl.org and our Facebook page. We show a lot of our um, our babies on our Facebook page that are available for adoption, and especially our large dogs, which are our hardest to place. And um, and then we keep you uh, current with what's going on in in the community or what's going on with the rescue league during that that time. And um, and we just love visitors. We're having a birthday party um, at the rescue league this Saturday for a young lady and her friends. So. Um, we love to have the kids come and tour and visit with us, so um, everybody's welcome. And we're there every day except Monday, and on Sunday afternoons we're there 1 to 4. So come and visit, and even if you can't adopt, just come and visit and spend a little time with our pets. They enjoy having that socialization and, and someone to pay some attention to them and play with them a little. All right, Deborah, this is a 24-7 job, though there are plenty of people there on Monday as well. You're just not, exactly. not, not exactly. open for the public. Yeah. Not open for the public. We're, yeah. we're catching yeah. up on Monday. Yeah. You're exactly right. There, there's, we, had a, we had a full cruise on Christmas morning, Christmas Eve, New Year's Day, so you're right about that. Just like at your clinic. Yeah. <laughs> even on the ice days. Yeah, right, even on the ice days. Uh, got about a minute left. Let's see if we can work James' question in quickly. James, we're pressed for time, so if you could be brief. Uh, yes, my cat is a tabby cat. Uh, and she's been nibbling her backbone and taking all the hair off from the middle of her back down to her tail where the tail meets the cat. Yes. And um, it looks like the hair is trying to grow back, but where she nibbles on it, first it bleeds and then it turns black, and um, that's what's going on. Probably, Probably have some little bumps there as well if you run your hand down her back. Uh, what about underneath? Does she has she got hair loss underneath as well? Like um, she did a, about okay. a year ago, but she's grown all of that okay. back. Okay, there there's several things that could be going on. One is a disease or condition called miliary dermatitis. Uh, some cats have that uh, pretty consistently. Uh, in most cases, uh, steroids are involved as far as treating this. Uh, I would suggest seeing your vet though. May need some antibiotic and steroid. All right, James, thanks for the call. That's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, funding provided in part by the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science Foundation and contributions from listeners like you. Our producer is Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Sam Wells. So for Dr. Troy Major and Deborah Boswell, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's MPB's Season Pass with Jay White. That's followed by Southern Remedy at 11. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts right here on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.